Zen nicotine pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime, which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Visit Zinn.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zen. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. It's Dexcom. With the new Dexcom G7, you get better diabetes results without those awful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or to your watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affect your glucose. It makes it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's so easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. It's Christmas time, and families all over the world are gathering together to celebrate the joy of the Christmas season. But that is not necessarily true for many, many others across the world. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. This is a tangled web of deceit, of coercion, and murder. For the longest time, police could not connect the dots, and for good reason. Take a listen to this. Christmas Eve, the first victim was discovered, 18-year-old Danita Goulette. She was shot while using a payphone at what used to be a neighborhood store for her gym shoes. She was a happy-go-lucky person, somewhat shy, not really outgoing. She was very loving. She was very caring. She was easy to be around. I had every confidence in the world that my sister would have been something amazing. You were just hearing Becky Grimes, WHIO News Center 7, and the voice of Dr. Rhonda Gillette. Rhonda Gillette is Danita's sister. And right now, Dr. Gillette is joining us along with an all-star panel, including Kathleen Murphy, North Carolina trial lawyer, Professor Michael Drain, forensic psychologist and professor at Antioch University, and host of the Unpopular Culture podcast and the Christmas Killing Spree, the psychology of spree murder. Doyle Burke is with us, former Dayton homicide detective who worked this case, and chief investigator, Warren County coroner, Dr. Kendall Crowns, deputy medical examiner, Travis County, that's Austin, Texas, and CrimeOnline.com investigative reporter, Levi Page. Let me first start with... Danita's sister, Dr. Rhonda Gillette. Dr. Gillette, thank you for being with us. Uh, 
at the very beginning, when Danita's body was discovered there at that payphone, no one had any idea what was to unfold a a specter that still haunts the city of Dayton. But I know you remember the moment you learned your sister was dead. What happened? It was a nightmare for me and my family. Uh, it was it was just surreal. Uh, we uh, this was one of the worst things that could possibly happen to our family. We were very religious uh, people. We believed in God, and at that time, uh, you know, it made me question my faith and my beliefs. Um, you know, I pleaded with the Lord and I asked the Lord to just take me and say it. You know, um, my sister meant the world to me. Uh, believe it or not, even though I'm the oldest and she was the youngest, she fed into who I am today. And believe it or not, um, you know, who I am today, I'm Dr. Rhonda Gillette. I, I'm, I would not be who I am today if it hadn't been for my sister. She still encourages me to become the better Rhonda that I am today. So I, I would not be who I am today if she had not uh, been my biggest cheerleader. So that day was devastating to me. You know, Dr. Gallette, just hearing you speak is literally bringing tears to my eyes. People that have never been a crime victim have no idea the lifelong implications of violent crime, even beyond your life, because speaking as a victim of violent crime, it not only has affected my life, but it's affected when I had children. I was so traumatized by my fiance's murder. I couldn't consider remarrying and therefore had my children very late in life. My daughter almost died because of complications and it affects the way I raise them now. And that will affect the way they raise their children. It will go on and on. Yes. After I, after I, after I lost my sister, I ended up miscarrying and then I was engaged to be married and I ended up that, that relationship ended up dissolving. So, and then my brothers and sisters end up turning to uh, addiction. And then my mother prematurely died at 51. Oh, Rhonda. Oh, my goodness. The way this affected your life. Because I remember after Kate's murder, I, I, at a certain point, I would try to, like, go out to see a movie or go out with the, the when I finally went back to college and who wants to go out with somebody that sits in car in the car and cries the whole time? Yes. Nobody. Yes. And so every relationship falls apart. Like you with your fiance at the time. But now you are, you have your doctor in business administration, your MS, your BS, and your program manager for the Air Force at Wright Patterson Air Force Base. Wow. Let me share this with you. It's not a day that, that that goes by that I do not carry uh, this wound in my heart for my sister. Believe it or not, I, I have been able to carry on with my faith in the Lord. But believe it or not, I'm carrying on, but I still have a wound in my heart because my sister is not here. I was the oh, closest. To I believe you. Sister. I was the closest to my, my youngest sister, and I was the closest to my mother. And both of them are gone. And so nothing could bring them back. I carry on because of my faith in the Lord, but I have a wound. So I just wanted to make sure that people know that even though I have carried on and I may look like 
I, I don't look like what I've been through, but I still have that wound in my heart. And this time of year is not like it used to be. It's not the happy time for, for me. Even though I, I may look like it, I still carry that wound. Little did police know at the time that the murder of Danita Gillette just standing at a payphone would touch off one of the darkest chapters in Dayton history. Rhonda, where were you when you learned Danita had been shot? I actually was at my apartment preparing to gather with my family for, for Christmas. So I rushed home to get the presents that I had for my family to head back to my mother's house. And I went home, I gathered my presents. I was with Danita's daughter at the time, and we went home, we gathered the presents, and we had fallen asleep. And I woke up, and I was, I was really upset because I had fallen asleep. I called my mom, and my mother told me that nobody had showed, showed up yet, so come on over. My mother had made a big pot of uh, chili, and she told me to hurry up. And I was so excited because I was going to see all my brothers and sisters. I was going to see my mom. And I was just going to be with my family. And when I got to my mother's house, I was disappointed because my brothers and sisters had not arrived. When I got there, I got agitated because nobody was there. And about 10 o'clock, the phone rings. About 10 o'clock or 10.10, the phone rings. I picked up the phone, no answer. And I believe today my sister calling to let us know that she needed a ride and nobody answered you believe Danita was calling you from that payphone yes ma'am I do believe that my sister was calling me and then that's when 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 no when I received no answer I hung up the phone I left my mother and I went home and by the time I got home I ended up taking a shower and I laid down and that's when my grandmother called me and said, Danita is gone. And I, I kept asking my grandmother, what do you mean? And she said, she's gone. And I kept saying, what do you mean? And she said, she's at, she finally said she was at the hospital. So my fiance took me to the hospital and when I walked into the room, I saw my mother looking broken. And that's when I knew that my sister was gone. I knew my sister was dead. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace.
with me is Dr. Rhonda Gillette. She's a sister of 18-year-old Danita Gillette, who was making a phone call at a payphone and then shot dead. But that was just the tip of the Christmas Eve tragedies that then went on to unfold in the city of Dayton because it wasn't long after the body of Danita was found that tragedy strikes again. To Doyle Burke, retired Dayton homicide detective, chief investigator, Warren County coroner. Detective Burke, thank you so much for being with us. The murder of Danita touched off a string of tragedy that Dayton will not soon forget. Do you recall the name Richmond Maddox, detective? Yes, I do. Explain. Uh, Richmond Maddox was a uh, young male, 19 years old, uh, involved in a car crash. His car had struck a tree in the northwest end of Dayton. Now, let me understand something right there. How old did you say he is? 19. So, Richmond Maddox is just 19. Danita Gillette, just 18. Close in age. But let me ask you this. Where exactly was his car crash? North Dayton, did you say? Uh, north Northwest Dayton, uh, in the same general area as Danita Gillette, but uh, a, a decent distance away. So, you've got Danita shot in North Dayton, North Central Dayton, and you've got Richmond Maddox. Yes. How many miles apart was that? Uh, maybe a mile and a half. Not very far. Do you know the caliber of bullet in Danita's murder? Yes. Uh, there were 25 auto shell casings left at the scene. Okay, so but then you find Richmond Maddox, and his car is crashed into what? Did you say a tree? Yes. Okay, so you get to Richmond Maddox, and what's the first thing that you observe about Richmond Maddox? Uh, He has an injury to the right side of his head, and uh, it turns out to be a gunshot, single gunshot wound to the right side of his head. All right, so suddenly uh, the mystery intensifies because this young man, just 19 years old, is dead at the wheel, crashed into a tree, but it's no car crash at all. Straight out to Dr. Kendall Crown's deputy medical examiner, Travis County, Austin, Texas. What does that tell you, Dr. Kendall Crowns? Well, if he was still able to drive after he got shot. In the head? It, you can still you can still perform actions after you get shot in the head, depending on what part of the brain is damaged. Okay, wait a minute. Uh, <laughs> okay, wait a minute. Hold, hold, hold on. That's something new. To Detective Burke, where in the head is Richmond shot? Uh, in the uh, right temple area. Okay, please explain to me, Dr. Crowns, how you can keep driving when you've been shot in the right temple. Well... Depending on the trajectory of the bullets or the pathway through the brain of the bullet, it may or may not uh, hit the the portions of the brain that uh, control your functions of your arms and legs, your motor functions. It may also not hit the parts of your brain that control your uh, heart and lung functions. So that's your brainstem. So if it hits your brainstem, you're pretty much that's lights out. You're you're done right away. If it hits a different area of your brain, you may still have a portion of your body that's still able to function for a period of time. Now, the brain will react to the injury by swelling or getting bigger. And once it gets to a certain size, it pinches the brain stem and kills you. But Dr. You Kendall Crowns, uh, are you are you 
serious? He got shot in the head in the temple. It killed Again, him. You can, I don't see I've how the seen, guy could keep driving. I, I've seen people shoot themselves in the head, reload the gun, walk and then shoot themselves in the in the head again and kill themselves. I okay, mean, you if you say so. Oh, if you say, say so, so, but just so you know, that. nobody here in the studio is buying what you're selling, but you're the well, doctor. Get how, fine. How many, okay, how I'd have a field day with you on cross. But. Yeah, well, you could have a great day with me on cross, and I'd still be right, so... That may be true. So <laughs> let me understand this. Uh, to Levi Page, CrimeOnline.com investigative reporter, bring me up to this moment with what you know about the case. So far, so far, I've got two dead bodies on, in two areas yeah. of town. One ostensibly mm-hmm. by a gunshot wound at a payphone. Another ostensibly by a crash upon closer inspection. We learned there's a shot to the temple which may or may not, Dr. Kendall Crowns, have let the poor guy keep driving. Uh, but, Levi, bring me up to what we know at this point. So, Nancy, this is occurring in Dayton, Ohio, and this is in the 90s. And this is happening, happening around Christmas Eve and Christmas time is when these killings occurred. Yeah, because Danita, her body was discovered on Christmas Eve, as you just heard her sister, Dr. Rhonda Gillette, state. And what day was it, Detective Burke, that the next victim, Richmond Maddox, was found? Same day? Uh, Christmas Day, December 25th. Okay, so within 24 hours, another body is found. Yes. Did it appear to you, Detective, that the victim had been shot in the right temple by the passenger in the front seat. Yes, it did. The uh, it's winter time. The the windows in the vehicle were up. Uh, there's obviously no damage to the passenger side window, uh, so no one shot through the window glass. The window was up, like I say, so no one had an opportunity to shoot through an open window. So it had to be the passenger. And it's it's a very it's a near contact wound. It's not a contact wound, but it's very close. And and as you would figure in the front seat of a car. You're in close proximity no matter what. But uh, there was no doubt in our mind that the passenger is the one who fired the shot. Into Let's the talk night. about ballistics for one moment. Was the window of the driver's side shot out? No. So that means that the bullet went into the right temple and remained in the body? There's no exit right. wound? It did not, it did not exit. The good thing about that, if you can find any silver lining at all, is that you have the bullet. And as we will see, ballistics play such a huge role in the untangling of this case. So, Levi Page, I've got two deaths. Danita Gillette, 18, and Richmond Maddox, age 19, and nothing connects the two. Back to Detective Burke. Does the name Sarah Abraham mean anything to you? Yes, it does. Explain. Uh, Sarah Abraham uh, was the owner of a little mini mart. There were quite a few of them in the 90s in Dayton. Uh, in the inner west side, and this is a, a reasonable distance away from Maddox or Gillette's scenes, uh, there were three people in the mini mart at the time, including Sarah, and a robbery ensued, and Sarah and another patron were shot. When you Look at the scene where Sarah Abrams uh, Abraham was killed. She's 38. 
what did you learn? Well, in looking at the scene, we saw the same caliber and configuration of shell casings as we had at Danita Gillette's scene. Explain. What, what, were they 32s, 25s, or both? Uh, 25 automatic. Uh, blazer ammunition. Blazer is, again, it's a disposable target ammunition, and it had just come out on the market. And uh, to see that at two separate crime scenes, uh, a fairly decent distance from one another, told me it was probably the same person. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. We are talking about a serial killer stalking Dayton. First the body of an 18-year-old girl, then the body of a 19-year-old young man, then a 38-year-old woman at a mini-mart gunned down. Will a very unusual circumstance regarding ballistics somehow solve the case with me and back to detective doyle burke uh former detective dayton homicide and chief investigator warren county coroner you mentioned blaze disposable ammo explain what that is uh it's a ammunition manufactured by cci it's it's called blazer target ammunition it's made out of aluminum cases instead of the brass casings that you typically see uh, and they're disposable. You throw them away. It's not unusual to see different types of ammunition at these crime scenes, but to see blazer ammunition, something like that, that has just come onto the market and it's not a defensive round uh, in a 25 automatic caliber was obviously important to us. When you found the body of Sarah Abraham, 38 years old, where was she situated in the mini mart? She would have been behind the counter. She was actually actually removed to the hospital. She didn't die until December 31st. She never regained consciousness, but she actually did not die until the 31st. So she was not on the scene when we got there. That poor woman and her family lying there in the hospital for that many days, hoping yes. against hope, only to die at the end. Are the three connected this blaze disposable ammo is a major clue to professor michael drain special guest joining us forensic psychologist and professor at antioch you know very often we hear 
or we see, for instance, in movies and in TV programs and murder mysteries, we see these brilliant criminals. What were they thinking, Professor? They're using basically a fingerprint ammo, aluminum blazer disposable ammo. You think nobody can connect that and realize there is a killer on the loose? They're not as smart as the movies give them credit for, Professor. You know, that's very true. There's no real evidence that they were using their highest reasoning while this was happening. It's actually far more likely that they were caught up in the spree murder and the action of it and overwhelmed by the moment. And um, as it's been described, you know, like a shark tasting blood in the water and uh, a kind of feeding frenzy. You know, I um, like what you just no said, uh, Professor. You refer to the killer or killers as like a shark tasting blood because many a time, not in front of a jury, of course, many a time I've sat in court and looked over at the defendant and just looked at them, particularly in homicide cases, and tried to figure out why. And the more I tried to figure it out, the less I knew because it seemed as if they didn't have the same emotions that regular people have. Like you would look at them and there'd be nothing. It'd be like looking at a frog in the eyes where the eyes, you get nothing out of that. Like a reptile. And you said a shark. Yeah. Kind of like a shark. And if you look at some of the more notorious serial killers that are sitting in court, you know, your Richard Ramirez and your Ted Bundy's, you know, they look cool as a cucumber while they're sitting in court. And psychopathic personalities tend to have a lower stress immunity, their ability to remain cool under pressure. They need more stimulus in order to feel aroused. That's part of why they go killing in the first place. So it's pretty indicative to the kind of personality that would commit a crime like this in the first place. To Dr. Angela Arnold, a psychiatrist joining us out of the Atlanta jurisdiction. Weigh in, Dr. Angie. You know, Nancy, these people are a certain way while they're committing their crime. Okay, they're they're in a certain mindset while they're out gunning down people. And it does sound like these people were committed. This was a spree killing that was being committed. So all of this time has gone by. They've been sitting in the jail. Well, they're not they're not in the act right now. So to all of us who are thinking, oh, my God, this is such a horrific thing that they have done. They're completely out of that mode now. They're in. Who even knows what they're thinking about? Because, Nancy, we don't really know what they were thinking when they were actually doing this. And if they were thinking and how much thought was involved, that's why they're using these bullets that could find. They aren't thinking, oh, my goodness, somebody's going to find me with these types of bullets that I'm using. This is a spree. This is they they have some sort of motivation to kill these people, whether it's whether it's random people or people that they're killing on purpose. Right. You know, you, you know, Professor Drain, you said something very interesting. I want to piggyback on what Dr. Angie just said. Um, that they, like a shark sensing blood in the water, that excites the shark, that makes the shark more aggressive, and it makes the shark look for the next victim. I've prosecuted spree killings and serial killings, and there's something very different about the two. You know, we always hear about serial killers like Ted Bundy, BTK, uh, Ramirez, Gacy, it goes on and on. 
But there's something about a spree killer that's different. Their mindset is different. What is it? Well, uh, spree killing usually involves a string of at least three murders over different locations that have a key precipitating event that fuels their motivation to kill. The typical personality profile of a spree killer is somebody who is has a uh, grudge against society or a specific population. They feel like they've been wronged in their life and they have a need to enact retribution because they don't they feel like they've been dealt a bad hand against society. They also don't feel like they need to follow the rules of society either. Um, a serial murder is more about a person or people targeting a specific typology, a specific kind of person, and there's a there's a more themed pattern among the victims, and that's not what we see here. So, so far we've got three dead bodies. Beautiful young Danita Gillette, her family is waiting for the Christmas gathering. You heard her sister describing it, Dr. Rhonda Gillette. Then you have a young man seemingly dead from a car crash. Turns out he was shot in the head. And then suddenly a 38-year-old woman working at a mini mart across town. The common the commonality are these aluminum blaze disposable ammo left behind. Back to Detective Doyle Burke, special guest joining us. Let me bring up the name to you, Joseph Wilkerson. Yes. Where did you find his body? We found him in his residence uh, in north, northwest Dayton, uh, for much further out from Danita's site. So you say you find him. I believe that you were in the middle of looking for some stolen car and it leads you to this location. You go in and where is Joseph Wilkerson? Yes, that's that's correct. We were following up on his vehicle. Uh, When we go into the residence, uh, it's obvious there's a decomposing body in the residence. And uh, we go to the back bedroom and he is spread eagle tied his hands are tied to the uh, bedpost the hands tied to the bedpost okay right there kathleen murphy a north carolina trial lawyer at ncdomesticlaw.com right there a lot of people would not piece that together at all because the mo modus operandi method of operation is so incredibly different you've got a person tied spread eagle to a bed that would um, dissuade most people from connecting that to the other three murders. Absolutely. And I, I would think that would be a murder that would be a singular type of murder where the focus <clears throat> singularly on this person in a sexual relationship gone bad or in a domestic relationship gone bad, no way, shape or form, would I connect it to a spree killing? Absolutely. And back to you, Detective, what was the MO? What was the death? What caused the death of Joseph Wilkerson? He was shot once in the chest and once in the head. What kind of ammo? And we did we did have a uh, spent twenty five caliber blazer casing at the scene. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. 
I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. When so many of us are anticipating being with our family, worshiping, celebrating, enjoying the moment of Christmas, these families' lives are torn apart. Little did they know at that time how connected so far four murders are Take a listen to Dave DeMarco, WDTN2. Christmas Eve, Christmas, and the day after are three days in 1992 few people in the Miami Valley will ever forget, especially now retired Dayton detective Doyle Burke. As we kept getting more and more victims with the same type of uh, MO and the same type of ammunition used, it was clear that we had uh, a group of serial killers. Crime scenes included a home, a car, and a phone booth where the gang of six made off with a pair of tennis shoes and 50 cents. This was a true definition of the, of the term spree killers. It was fun. They enjoyed it. There was no reason. No one gave any resistance to them. Uh, it was just something for them to do. The sign of the shortstop mini market has faded. It was the final of those Christmas killings. Two people shot inside, including a clerk and young mom. That gang left with just $44. And yes, at that time, that's what Dave DeMarco, WDTN, thought that was the end of the murders. But no, it was not. All of this unfolding in the days surrounding Christmas. Straight back to Detective Doyle Burke joining me along with Dr. Rhonda Gillette and Professor Michael Drain and our panel. Detective, two more names. A 16-year-old girl, Wendy Cottrell, and her young sweetheart, her lover, Marvin Washington, 18 years old. How did you, how, where were their bodies, the two, this boyfriend and girlfriend, when they were murdered? They were found in a, uh, in a gravel pit uh, in the west side of Dayton, uh, the outer west side of Dayton. Uh, they, they were side by side. They'd been executed. Back to our guest, Dr. Rhonda Gallette, the sister of then 18-year-old Anita Gallette. Rhonda, as you are finding out Danita has been murdered at a payphone, were you at all aware of the other bodies that were being discovered in Dayton? No, I was not aware uh, at all about all of the other uh, deaths that had occurred. So me and my family, we were, um, we, we could not phantom that this was a part of any kind of spree. We could not uh, imagine anybody who, who would want to hurt my sister. 
so it, it was just like a, a nightmare that had occurred. And when you look at the locations to Professor Michael Drain, why would you even think to connect a young woman shot at a payphone, a young man, Richmond Maddox, who seemingly had a car crash with a tree but was actually shot? Then you have a 38-year-old at a mini mart shot still behind the uh, cash, cash register. Then you have a guy tied spread eagle to a bed shot and then you have these two young lovers 16 and 18 shot execution style in a gravel pit typically those cases would not be connected professor no that's right they wouldn't be and then in the moment you know we can look back retrospectively and it's all very clear but in the moment it must have just seemed like unconnected murders and that's are the difficulty of identifying spree murders. There's cases of people who uh, go on a traveling spree murder and drive uh, through a whole state or across state lines and kill multiple people as they're driving down the street. And because of the vast geographic land that they're covering, those things aren't connected right away. Back to you, Detective. When did you first realize all of these murders spanning Dayton were connected to spree killers? Well, after the ballistics started coming back, uh, everything revolved around that 25 automatic, which was correct. But now we had a second weapon introduced by virtue of the ballistics, and that was a 32 Derringer. And that was what was used on uh, Richmond Maddox in the car crash. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, was, it was also used uh, with Sarah Abraham. And it was also used with our uh, last one of our last victims, Marvin Washington. So how does it all fit together? Who is behind spree killings, then haunting the city of Dayton? Take a listen to John Limley at Crime Online. 19-year-old Marvelous Keene was the leader of a self-titled group, the Downtown Posse. The group included his girlfriend, 16-year-old Laura Taylor, 20-year-old Heather Matthews, 17-year-old DeMarcus Smith, along with 16-year-old Wendy Cottrell and 18-year-old Marvin Washington. Together, the group didn't have much of a criminal record, and Marvelous Keene had been a straight-A student in high school. Keene's older brother was killed while committing a robbery in 1991, and that's when things began to change for Marvelous Keene. He became depressed and virtually gave up on his educational efforts for a time. On Christmas Eve, Laura Taylor tells the group, let's put some drama in our lives. And with that, the group, led by former straight-A student Marvelous Keene, concocted a plan to rob an acquaintance of the group, Joseph Wilkerson. Keene, Taylor, and Heather Matthews walk to Wilkerson's home, tie him up, and look for things to steal. The thieves load up Wilkerson's own car with a TV, microwave, and other items they can easily sell. Take a listen to this. Marvelous Keene was watching Joseph Wilkerson as Laura Taylor and Heather Matthews ransacked the man's home. When Wilkerson tells Keene he has a 32 caliber Derringer that he can have, Keene gets the gun, covers Wilkerson with blankets to muffle the noise, and shoots the man in the chest with his own gun. Hearing the shot, Taylor and Matthews run to the bedroom where they see Keene holding the Derringer and Wilkerson's feet shaking. 
Keene gives the Derringer to Taylor to shoot Wilkerson, but it doesn't fire, so he uses Keene's own gun and shoots Wilkerson in the head. The trio take off with the stolen items in Wilkerson's Buick, and Keene tells his accomplices not to tell Catrill and Washington about killing Wilkerson. How cold-blooded was the murder of Wilkerson? But listen to what happened to the beautiful teen girl. After the killing of Joseph Wilkerson on Christmas Eve, Marvelous Keene, Laura Taylor, and Demarcus Smith go out for a walk when they see Danita Gallette using a public telephone. Smith and Keene are both carrying guns and draw their weapons on Gallette. Keene says, Merry Christmas, bitch. Then he and Smith force Gallette at gunpoint to take her coat and her Fila tennis shoes off. Then Keene and Smith both shoot Gallette as the young mother begged for her life. When they returned back to their apartment where their other friends were hanging out, Taylor was wearing Gallette's jacket and Smith was carrying her shoes. Dr. Rhonda Gallette, I'm just so sorry what your sister and your family has gone through. And speaking for the victims in this case, what do you say now? We, in our, in our culture, we just have an epidemic of violence. And I, I pray and hope that it is addressed at a, um, a national level. Uh, I, I pray that uh, no family has to deal with this, this uh, heartache. So that is my hope. And my prayer is that we uh, address this epidemic of violence because it, it has only increased since my sister's untimely death. It really has. And what's very disturbing, and let me go to Professor Michael Drain, forensic psychologist, where you hear Laura Taylor tell the group, let's put some drama in our lives. The group ends up turning on their, their own and murdering Wendy Cottrell and Marvin Washington because they're afraid they'll snitch them out. But let's put some drama in our lives. What is that? Well, there's a lot of evidence. So there's two, there's two kind of trains of thought about Laura Taylor, and that's where a lot of the interesting dynamic is between Laura Taylor and Marvellous Keene. Laura Taylor was... Um, had a lot of psychopathic traits, perhaps. She shot Joseph Wilkerson after he had already been shot. She has a, and, uh, and the other prevailing theory is that she was doing what she was doing to try to impress her boyfriend, Marvellous Keene, and was trying to uh, ingratiate herself to him. And while he was the leader, it's, it's argued by a lot of people that she was sort of like a co-leader or an instigator. So she was either caught up in the frenzy of the whole thing or has a psychopathic personality and enjoyed it. And, or it could have been a combination of both, and most things usually are. Let's put some drama in our lives. Six dead, two wounded, and families' lives torn apart forever at Christmas. To Levi Page, what has become of these killers? So Nancy, Laura Taylor, 16, Marvelous Keen, 19, Heather Matthews, 20, and Demarcus Smith, 17. They were all charged with murder, Nancy. And Demarcus Smith, Heather Matthews, and Laura Taylor, uh, they are serving life sentences. Laura Taylor and Heather Matthews, the females, are serving time in a Ohio reformatory for women. 
Demarcus Smith is serving life, and the ringleader, Marvellous Keen, he was executed in 2009. We see justice unfold, but the impact this has had on the victim's family is its own life sentence. Nancy Grace, Crime Story, signing off. Goodbye, friend. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn Nicotine Pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zin 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. Amazing. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, your exercise, and medication decisions. All those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and a lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner.